Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is Frank Huseman. He is a swim coach based in the Netherlands uh, and you run Tri Experience. You work with a lot of athletes similar to myself that are adults, they're triathletes, uh, and don't necessarily come from a, a swimming background. And we originally got in contact with each other when I sent an email out about the EO Swim Better, which is the smart paddle device that measures the force and the direction of it. And you were asking some questions about it because you were using something similar. And when we did get on that call, we found out that you'd done some work with Christian Blumenfeld, who, for those that are listening, he got third in Kona on the weekend just gone. And so I thought it'd be great to first of all, jump in and see what were some of those insights that you got from working with Christian about his swimming. So first of all, welcome. And then uh, be great to get your insight into Christian Blumenfeld's stroke. Yeah. Thank you, Brent, for having me here on uh, on your podcast. Um, yeah. Well, let me introduce myself a bit and the reason why I got to basically work with, with Christian for a bit. Basically, I am I'm asked for the Boer wetsuits on a regular basis as a swim coach to test and improve their wetsuits because, you know, my background is swimming, I'm a swim coach. And well, coincidentally, Alex De Boer, the founder of the Boer Wetsuits is a great friend of mine. What we did last year, we went to Bergen to meet up with Christian and, and Olaf Alexander as coach to test Christian in his swimming and also to test his, how he is reacting on a different kind of support in wetsuits. So we did all kinds of experiments on Christian, which was very fun with all kinds of neoprene accents in wetsuits and test what the effect was of his swimming performance and his energy expenditure. Of course, we did this. Uh, the goal was to uh, develop a wetsuit for Christian, which was ideal to do and swim the sub seven project in to get him into the fastest time for the swim, actually. So, and basically what, uh, what I, as a swim coach was surprised that Christian has a basically fairly good level, very good swim level for a triathlete. And if you're speaking in terms of Olympic swimmers, of course, that is a different ballpark also, uh, in swim speed, of course, but also efficiency. The thing we found with Christian is that he was able to, he is able to gain a, basically a high power output or a high and a high cadence for a long time. And it's, I think that's also within the other disciplines, the cycling and, and running is one of his sense as well. And that's why he's probably so good. Well, I can share some of the things we tested, we found that might give you some insights. So let me switch. Yeah, that'd, that'd be good. And, I, yeah. and one of the things I remember you mentioning was he hasn't, and this was tested with a wetsuit on as well. So like the stroke can obviously change a bit there, but one of the things that stood out was he hasn't got a really, he hasn't got a long reach or glide time out the front. He was pretty quickly moving into the catch. Yeah. And yeah. one of the other things that I found interesting too, is that you, with these devices, you look at impulse time. And when I first heard that yeah. term, I, or the overall impulse, yeah, I was like, what, you know, what's impulse time? But I guess the way that I would explain it, and I'd like to get your take on it too, is 
it's essentially how long have you, first of all, got that contact with the water through your catch in your pool? And then yep. what's the overall, I guess, if you look at the graph of when of the power, how much yep. impulse have you got? How much and does that sort of fill up the space there? Um, I've yep. obviously butchered that that description, but that's how I would sort of see impulse time. What, could you talk a bit about how you view impulse so that someone who may not come from a swimming background and hasn't spent the last 20, 20 years of their career coaching, yeah. how could you explain it in simple terms? Yeah, the, it, basically, uh, scientifically, the impulse is the force that you apply multiplied by the time that you apply the force. That's the impulse mm. you create. And to be able to swim fast, the only way, it's very simple, basically swimming, it's, it's very simple because it's all science. So you only move forward if you put pressure or force, which you're basically as your propulsion surfaces, which is the hand and the underarm in the backward direction, right? So any other movement, and you, we can debate about that, what, if you need to have a deep catch or a shallow catch or, you know, um, and well, we used to basically, I was still schooled also in making an S pattern because we want to push water that was not moving and therefore create a bigger force. But, you know, any other movement that you make that is not in a backward direction is a loss. So, because that will, the only way that you're moving forward is to press water in a backwards direction with as basically as much force and in the longer path. So, um, that's, that's funny. And I recently saw a documentary. There was also a Dutch guy who, a Dutch Olympic athlete who was getting into the, uh, the techniques of Usain Bolt, why he is running that fast. And basically this is also scientific. The speed is determined by two major things. Speed is, is the product of stroke rate and stroke length. And any other element is impacting those two. So, mm. you know, if you're having a poor body position, right? And so you have more drag in the water that has an immediate impact on your stroke length. So your travel distance per stroke is impacted negatively, right? Mm. Because there's, so if you put away that, if you don't change anything about your swimming technique, but you put away that, you pull away that, you take away that drag or minimize the drag, for example, by putting on a wetsuit or a buoyancy short or whatever, putting the body up higher, then suddenly you see that the travel distance per stroke is increased by 25, 30% or so. And then the stroke rate. The only thing with swimming is, and those, it's that stroke rate and stroke length, they also impact each other until a certain extent. And it depends mm. on what kind of level swimmer you are. Uh, you can increase your stroke rate quite a bit without decreasing in stroke length. If you have, if you're a, st a starter swimmer, and you start to really, you know, increase stroke rate, then the stroke length, because there's, well, the technique is maybe not that good, body position is not that good, and the, the body is not trained that well, the stroke length will decrease immediately. So it's a really impulse... good way to keep things simple, isn't it? With, if you just like, oh, how can I get faster? It's like, well, you can reduce drag, 
to to increase your stroke length or you can increase your propulsion so it's better yeah. catch and pull and better connection with the body and then the other factor is stroke rate so there's a number of things in there there's heaps of things in there that you can do to find ways to swim faster and yeah. usually the first place that i would start would be reducing drag that's you know because you could have the best yeah. catch in the world you could have the highest stroke rate but if your hips and legs are dropping down you're yeah. not going to get you're not going to be going fast so there's so yeah. many things that you can do and i think for a lot of people it's just understanding what those things are and then maybe which order should you go about them yeah yeah well and basically the biggest trick is for a swimmer to when you start to to get into the swim sport and starting to learn the freestyle the main goal is and you probably need a couple of years for this is to get your to get your swim efficient because if you take a look at, for example, swimming is, uh, we call it a, 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 like a cycle sport, basically. You know, you do a movement and it's completed. Uh, basically, it repeats all the time, all the time. And um, cycling is the same and running is the same. So if you want to become a efficient runner or cyclist, we know that you first have to work on cadence. And if you know you can move in a certain cadence, you have an efficient movement pattern, then you can start putting on an extra gear and then you go faster or uh, make your step a little bit longer and then you go faster. Swimming is because we're moving in water, which is 775 times the density of air. It's incredible, 775 the density of air. So can it's if you go on a time trial bike and you cycle 40K an hour, that speed, it is very important that you have like a good aerodynamic position, right? Because if you get up, it immediately impacts speed. So we're not swimming 40K an hour, but if you're never a swimmer, you swim 4K an hour. So that's a 10, it's, a, it's 10, 10 times slower, but you do that in a medium, which is water, which is 700 and 75 times more dense. So in swimming, the aquadynamics is, if you multiply yeah, it by 10, aquadynamics is about 80, 75 to 80 times more important than aerodynamics in, in cycling. So if you want to be a good swimmer, the first thing you have to work on is uh, keep your drag low. Yeah, your body track. So, and also every movement that you make will amplify, if you do it in the incorrect way, it will amplify, it will immediately increase your body resistance. Yeah. So if you're swimming and you're breathing and you're losing your balance and one feet comes out and it comes out of your body alignment, then it immediately, uh, that kick on the side is immediately causing a decrease of speed. Because it's causing drag. So that's why it's so important. So if you want to be, become a good swimmer, you first have to work on stroke length only. And if you are able to keep a good stroke length, a healthy stroke length for about, let's say one or two K continuously, then start to work on speed. Mm. That's my, my basically vision and experience. Yeah, I yeah. agree as well, because. You, but the, and the one thing I'd note there for those that are listening is that 
we're talking about stroke length, you know, you want to reduce your stroke count, but not to the point where you're overreaching and over rotating and doing these really big, long strokes where you're just going too far with it. The way that I would often explain it to someone is if you were to do a 50 meter swim and you were to try and have your lowest stroke count without stopping and pausing, you were just swimming at a normal rhythm and tempo. That's what we want to try to maintain as you go for those longer distances um, not where you're just trying to overreach and you know have your let's say your stroke count is normally 40 you don't want to be going down to 34 where you're actually going much slower because you're over gliding um, so that's just one one thing to note when you're going for it and yep. with reducing Agreed. drag so the thing that i come across and i'd be interested to hear if you hear this too head position is obviously important and you want to make sure you've got the right head position but a lot of the beginner swimmers that I come across think it's the only thing that's impacting their body position. So in order to get their hips up and their legs up, they will bury their head in the water. They'll go very deep and they'll be yep. swimming with it too far under the water at times. So yep. it's just one factor that impacts body position. What are some of those other things that, that you see as impacting body position? One thing, if what I see most head position, of course, is one thing, and it has to do with breathing. And what I, with the most of beginner swimmers, they want to, you know, get out of the water to breathe. So you want to get up. So if you pull your head up, your hips sink and your legs are attached to the hips. So they sink as well. So that causes immediately, it moves you out of the horizontal position and it causes drag. And you can also correct it, of course, put your head in the water, put your complete head on the water, but you know, the surface of the skull is quite, quite big as well. So it also causes frontal drag. And also if you put your head down, there's a strain on the back, which enables or prevents you to move and to stretch out freely, because mm. if there's too much tension there, it will hold you back. So that's also a cause, but the most. I think the most common thing I see is a not hips. So a slightly bent hip. And if you have a slightly bent hip, then that will mean that the kick will be more from the knee. If the kick is coming from the knee, then the effect of the kick is, well, I always say you have, you need to have, uh, you need to have an active kick because if you don't kick, yeah, the legs are too low basically and causing drag. But the kick is very difficult because uh, there is like, it's working in a positive way or it's working in a negative way. So you do it correctly and it benefits you. But if you do it incorrectly, it, you know, it's called, you're causing drag. Hmm. So, um, and you can work with kick techniques and do all kinds of exercises. But the first thing people need, and especially if I have runners. If I have runners who want to have the, to learn to freestyle, they have a very hard time in keeping their hips straight. What exercises would you have them do to start to, to train that and to get familiar with the movement and the way they need to hold their body, their core and their hips to be kicking effectively? Well, a good exercise is I'll put them a land exercise. Uh, I, I do supermans. I call them the swimmer supermans because it's not, the original supermans, but if you, I lie them on the back on a mat besides the pool 
and then lift your feet and your hands up five centimeters. And then your, your whole body, basically the hips are the lowest point. If you, if the hips, if you're lying in the water like this and the hips are the lowest points, then you're, you know, body position is very good. And that's basically a good base. It doesn't mean that you have to be that all the time, but there should be this tension. And there's, there's one trick I learned. This is like also a little bit aquadynamics. So if the body position has this surface, there's tension on this surface, then the body will float. If the tension is on the backward, then the body will sink. So you need to have the tension on the, in the freestyle on the front side of the body. So the chest and the belly. So, so in that way, the hips should be the, lo the longest point or, and you wouldn't see that if you see an experienced swimmer, you wouldn't catch that immediately because of course the body, you know, they're so well-trained and they're moving quickly. You don't see that, but mm. for a beginner swimmer, that's, I think the bear, one of the biggest uh, tips is getting, you, you don't have to look like a banana in the water, but the tension should be on that side. Then you will float. And from that body position, start a kick with a straight leg and a loose ankle. And then your kick will come from the hips. It doesn't feel like that. And you may have a slightly bent knee in kicking downwards, only you should have a, a straight leg in the upward movement. For those, for those that are listening, you're showing that position with your hand and the correct way there is thinking of it like you talked about a banana, almost like a dish or a plate that sort of you know will rise up at, on the edges there. Holding yep. your body that way will allow you to essentially float a bit better. And yep. I remember when we had our Hawaii camp a couple of years ago, the coach I had with me at Gary Herring was getting the swimmers to practice floating. And though, and if you are trying to float, so you're face down in the water and you're trying to float with your hands below your body and your legs below your body, it's not going to happen for you. As soon as you try and lift your hands above your head and your legs yep. above your hips and torso, that's when you're yep. actually able to float, which is what you're talking about there, which yep. is an interesting way of thinking about it. It's, it's quite good because... Obviously, a lot of people do bend too much at their hips and their waist because they're not used to holding their body that way. It's not something that they yep. would be doing in any other activity, probably. So, it's yep. um, that's an interesting concept. I like it. Yeah, I guess I have some I have a nice picture. It's it's or a nice footage of a swimmer. It's doing in the slow mo. It's an Olympic swimmer. It's Ferry Weisman. He's Olympic gold medalist on the 10K Open One Swim in Rio. A very exceptional swimmer because he's a long distance swimmer, but he used to have a national record on the 400 short course as well. Mm. So he's quite fast on the mid distances and also in the marathon. He, the 10K is very good as well. And his trade as a basically, his strength is as a long distance swimmer that he has still a very active kick. So he's by far, he doesn't have a passive kick. And it, it's usually said or debated that a triathlete or a long distance swimmer should minimize the energy, by, by minimize the energy and the, the activity of the legs, because that's also, you know, it's tiring. You have to run and you have to cycle afterwards. Uh, but if you perform the kick uh, in the right way, it doesn't cost that much energy, not at all. Mm. Uh, but it has a fair, con a fair positive fusion to the complete stroke. So mm. a good kick and a good timed kick is basically supporting the glide phase. It is supporting the body roll, basically 
the suppressing the stroke, uh, but also if you're really able to, uh, to bring that into practice, you can, um, the, basically when I say the, the least, the parts of the body, which are on the least resistance, you can use those to drive your tempo. Maybe you've heard of the running arms. So a marathon runner that is, you know, getting into the last part of the race, last 10 K, he really has to activate the arms to get, you know, the legs are tiring. They want to slow down to get the legs drive. It was, it was a nice thing it's, when Eliud Kipchoge did his first try to get on the sub two in Monza. He was in the last two rounds and he was on the edge of barely making it or not. And Scos was, was next to him cycling. He says, okay, use your arms active, you know, keep your arms active mm. because your cadence is dropping. So he activated arms and he could be able, he was able to keep his cadence high. The same thing with swimming. If you're a competent swimmer, you can basically steer your stroke rate or manage your stroke rate of your, and also the length of your stroke by increasing and decreasing the frequency of the kick. So you can even switch, you can even switch for a long distance swimmer. I always teach them, okay, you basically, if you try to have a six beat kick, but there's also sprinters and they decouple the kick, they can do 10 kicks or 12 in stroke cycle. So you can also do four, but that, me that means that there is basically somewhere a disturbance. If you have a four, a two beat is also, because, you know, we are, um, you know, we move in a way, left arm, right foot, right arm, left foot, you know, that's how we are programmed as humans. So you run in that way, uh, and you swim in that way as well if you want to be efficient and controlled. Can you talk a bit about the 10 and 12 beat kick? You're saying that um, some distance swimmers will use that to, for part of the swim to take, to let their arms rest a bit more, or what are you referring to there? I don't quite fully understand that side of it. No, if you took it, if you, if, for example, if you analyze a, a 50, the 50 meter sprint, the 50 freestyle of the last Olympics and you, you slow down the movements there, see how many kicks those guys are making into one arm stroke, an arm cycle. It's more than six, right? Right. So, yeah. So for a long distance swimmer, I think that the kick should not be a, the, the kick should be there. Basically there's three reasons why you have kick. The first reason is get your body alignment, right? Yeah. So if your feet are up, if your feet are up, then the, the complete resistance of the bunny is low, right? So that's the first thing. Second reason is coordination. So if you want to move in the, in a human way, left, right, right, left, you should be having a controlled kick rhythm, right? So if you don't have that, it will disturb your stroke. If you have that, it will make the stroke easier and more controllable. So it's more natural. And the third one that is propulsion. And I was working in, I've been working in swim lab in 2013 in Eindhoven in Holland. We weren't able to test it, but for our Olympic sprinters, we did some drag measurements and active drag measurements. And we estimated that the contribution of the Olympic sprinter 
which by far have the, the biggest effort in, in, in the kick of all swimmers, basically, that the contribution of the, uh, of the kick in, in basically the speed is maximum 15%. So for those guys, 85% is arms. If you take a look at long distance swimmer with an active kick, the contribution of the kick in speed, it's less than 4%. So 96% is arms. But if you don't use the legs, then you, the stroke doesn't coordinate well mm. and your legs will sink and it will cause drag. So you have to use it. This podcast is brought to you by Form Goggles. Form empowers swimmers at every level to reach their goals, whether they want to get stronger, faster, swim further, or to be more efficient. Get lap-by-lap -lap motivation with real-time metrics and workout instructions right in your goggles. And Form's recently released Form Plans, which include a progressive series of workouts to help you achieve your fitness, skills, or triathlon goals. You can follow along with the plan and your weekly swims will be automatically synced to your goggles. So you'll swim through your workouts with real-time metrics and workout instructions all in your goggles. So it's like having a coach right there with you. And I've had a look through these training plans and I think they are excellent for people who want to train for certain triathlons or reach certain fitness goals. It will build on each week and a really good way to progress, progressively build up your fitness. So if you'd like to follow along with some plans to help you reach your specific swimming goals, then check out Form Goggles at formswim.com forward slash effortless. And this will give you $15 off your purchase of Form Goggles. So formswim.com forward slash effortless to get your pair of Form Goggles. Someone could list, could hear that and think, oh, it's only 4%, so I don't need to worry about my legs. But as you're mentioning there, when, you, when it's not effective, when it's not working for you, then you're going to be much slower overall. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that's why it's an important thing to, to get right. And I, I'll often say to people at, at clinics that we're coaching is that like you, you don't want to be kicking hard, especially if you're doing triathlon, but you want to make sure that your kick is effective and that it's not yeah. slowing you down because yeah. um, it, it just slows so many people down that um, it's something that's worth getting right and spending a couple of weeks just tweaking some things to make sure that it's not making your life harder. Yeah, exactly. Over the time that you've coached, what are some of the things that you as a coach, you felt have maybe come up with your own ways of describing things or getting people to achieve certain parts of the stroke? Because I'm thinking back to when I first started coaching, it was getting inputs from other coaches and swimmers. And then I think that the more you coach, you tend to come up with maybe not completely your own ideas. They might not be 100% original, but they are an accumulation of all this information and knowledge that you've taken on board. And then you come out with your own um, ways of perhaps teaching things. Are there a few that come to mind with you? Because I'd love to get your take on that because I've taken so many things from other coaches and learned from so many coaches yeah. that I like to, um, yeah, to get their perspective on different parts of the stroke and how they like to teach. Yeah, well, uh, one thing we already spoke about, you know, is simplify the swim technique in this concept of stroke length and stroke frequency. That determines speed. So also, what helped me a great bit also is I've been using the chart, the stroke rate and time chart that Swim Smooth uses. Uh, maybe you've heard Swim Smooth Paul Nusenler also, basically yeah. a, a colleague of ours. I can share that sheet. If you're listening to this on the podcast, we've also posted this episode on YouTube as well. So you'll yeah. be able to see this chart here that Frank's about to pull up. So this is a chart that I use when I, when I have some swimmers that are able to swim 100 freestyle. 
So they're in, in basically one of my courses to swim the freestyle and they're able to swim four lanes of 25 meters in one go. I will have them perform this test. They just swim a 100 meters easy, controlled. And what we do is uh, we time basically the swim time of that 100 meters and we count strokes based on the co stroke count. Let's say if I have, let's say if I have a swimmer doing 25 strokes and then it's swimming, let's say 140, it will show a dot here somewhere. So 25 strokes. So I have this table here and you can see 21, 25 strokes. And I said 140 which is pretty good time for a beginner. That means there's a stroke rate of 76 strokes per minute. That's quite fast, right? All those numbers extrapolated out so you can see, yeah, based on their stroke yeah. count and their time. Yeah, what their stroke so, rate is. Yeah, so, and in this table, if you plot out that 140 and that, seven, that 67 stroke rate, that means that is, is, the swim time is pretty good, but 25 stroke is way too much. So the travel dish, so it's efficient in a way that it's inefficient in a way that he is swimming with far too much effort, probably too much drag, high stroke rate with short strokes. And this is a pace that he isn't able to maintain for long. And the other way, and that's what we talked about, what you said as well, stroke length is good, but it needs to have a certain balance between stroke length and stroke frequency. On the other hand. If you're swimming the same pace, but you have a stroke of, let's say 45, which means if I say the same pace, 45, which, well, let's say 46. So if you swim 140 and 100 meters and you need 16 strokes per lane, 16 strokes and then turn, and you spend, of course, not too much time in the turn, but you quickly turn after two or three seconds before the next stroke on the next lane again. Then your stroke rate will be 40, let's say 46. Yeah, 46. And that's a little bit too low. So this is the part where you're overgliding. And if you're overgliding, you need to basically, it's a stand still. It's like a stop motion. You move, you slow down, you, every stroke, you need to pull yourself up again. That's a good tool to diagnose where someone's falling short uh, is their stroke count too low or sorry is their yep. stroke rate too low or is there yep. yeah or are they doing things where they're inefficient in their technique yep. and that way you can see what it is to work on so will you use that tool with someone who comes to you and you'll see where they are on that chart and let's say they are their stroke rate's too high you'll just work on slowing them down a bit and yep. work on the things yep. to yeah in their stroke yeah, it was funny because you know, in the, when you, I had this test, for example, for a group yesterday, we did it yesterday. It was very funny. And for the most of the people, if you do not count your strokes, you just swim and you try your best. You just swim. And I had, I had a lady who was a, who was a small lady and she, she needed 30 strokes and her swim time was over two minutes. So she was basically off this chart. <laughs> um, so also had a guy who swam, he swam 140 with 25 strokes. This example, this example. So then we started some exercises first with a pool boy, then without a pool boy, just, you know, stroke counting said, okay, 
let's take the average amount of strokes. We call that X, right? You trap, you, you now swim 50 meters in X amount of strokes. So if your average stroke leg or count was 25, and it, of course, it, it, in, during the test, it's not always 25. They start at 22, 25, 26, 28, or something like that, right? So yeah. you see, so the first lane is controlled, <laughs> then it's less controlled, then the show shortens, and the last lane they're struggling. But okay, let's win two lanes with X exactly the average. And then they start counting. And then suddenly they swim with less, they swim with 24 strokes. So after 30 minutes of exercise, I was able to, and they, we did the cool down swim for one or 200 meters. And those guys are trying, okay, let's do 100. And the guy that was doing 25 strokes in the test, he did 100 meter, 100 meter very easily in 21 strokes. The lady that needed 30 strokes, she did a 100 meter in 24 strokes. <laughs> so a six stroke reduction, just because they were counting, they were aware of what they're doing, lengthening the stroke a bit and getting more control. So, so only that awareness, awareness yeah. gives improvement already. That's a great example of using that tool, first of all, but also bringing awareness to what those factors of your speed are, because most people don't know that when they're new to the sport. And a good set that um, I did with the squad I swim with a couple of weeks ago um, that I got from a friend of mine actually is we did 10 100s. The first 50 is strong, and this is in a long yep. course pool. So first 50 is strong. And then on the way back, count you going fast, but hold your stroke count for all 10 100s. And there was about 30 seconds rest in between. And yep. what, I, what I found in that set is that um, I tend to, I got faster as I went through because I was like your body figures, you figure out a way to be able to get more out of each stroke while holding that, that stroke count. And if you do come up, um, in a stroke count, even if you come up one or two, you know, yep. sometimes your times increase because you're not moving as well. Like I'm probably holding the same stroke rate, but yeah, there's inefficiencies coming into the stroke. So just having that awareness there of how many strokes you are taking helps you maintain your form and your technique so it's um yeah it's why it, it's it can be a very good thing to to focus on that's a great example yeah yeah also what i also uh, use is i'll just hand them over a pool boy and grab a set of pedals and then have them swim and then immediately because of the the propulsion force the extra propulsion force you have and also the pedal in in the glide stroke gives you a little bit support in the glide. So the arm, if you're a swimmer, they have, have a tendency that to have a, 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 the arm drop too fast in the, in, in the glide, it, it supports that a bit. So, and then suddenly they suddenly do three or four strokes less per, per pool length. Mm. And then if you condition yourself in that way of swimming, which is more on stroke length and power, once you take off that pedals and you swim another lane, you suddenly, you're conditioned on the power. So you suddenly start to reach better, grab better, get some more pressure on, maybe the surface is less, but you immediately, you want to feel the same pressure. So what you will do is you will accelerate the hand a little bit more to feel the extra pressure. And of course you won't have that 
the stroke count of the set that you did with the pedal, but it surely is a, a one or maybe two strokes less than you did before. It's like wearing a parachute or like a sponge out behind you where you've got that extra drag that gets created, um, but you've, it also enhances your, you know, your awareness of those things. So yep. um, yeah, adding some drag to it or with the paddles, adding that surface area, it's, it can be such a great tool for teaching those things. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Is there any other things that have worked well for you coaching athletes on those kinds of things? What about, let's say for someone who has a, their stroke rate is too low. What approach would you often take there? Oh yeah, that's nice. Is I usually, I first try to have them uh, swim with a little, a couple of strokes more on the lane. Just shorten the stroke a little bit. If that doesn't work, you can grab the finished tempo trainer, for example and put the temple trainer under your swim cap and then increase a little bit by bit. So if you, you know, if you're, let's say the first swimmer and this, uh, there's no golden number, but if you can see in the chart, the white zone, it's like a zone, right? Mm -hmm. And if you take a look at the chart again, you see that the slower you are, the white zone is getting more narrow. The faster you are, the white zone is getting bigger. So basically. And the white zone is where efficiency is pretty basically okay. So if you're a swimmer that does one minute, a one minute hundred freestyle without a start, just push off the wall and then swim, you can be in a white zone with a stroke rate of 70. That's the down, basically the bottom side of the zone, but also with hundred, right? So, and this, so the faster you are. The more varieties you see, and that's also the nice thing in swimming. And if you're studying elite swimmers and as we, as coaches, we certainly, I think each coach have, has a certain ideal way of swimming the freestyle in efficient or effective way. But if you're, if the level goes up, the variety in the technique and the styles, the variety of styles, they are much, much greater and they are, you know. They're far more different. Yeah, it's, it's a good point, isn't it? I mean, you look at an Olympic final in the 1500 freestyle, and there is so many different styles of freestyle there, isn't there? Um, and, yeah. But then for your beginner swimmers, you know, you, you don't want everyone swimming exactly the same. There are certainly different styles there, but you're right. You, there's a narrower, narrower band of acceptable, not acceptable, but ways that you would want someone, one swimming. Um, you, yeah. There's, yeah, less ways of being creative with the stroke and still swimming fast there like is only a few different styles there so that's yeah it's a good observation um with that um and frank you run a lot of you do a lot of coaching obviously where you are you also run camps similar to us so for those that are listening what's the best way to get in touch with you like what's the website for try experience and how can someone contact you directly yeah, that's www.tryexperience.com and they'll all the information. It's a Dutch website, but with Google Translate, you can obviously translate everything. And what have you got coming up in terms of uh, coaching or squad stuff? Well, we are starting up some new courses, swim courses. We're developing basically what we do is with new insights and new tools, we're developing new courses for a broad variety of swim levels each each year. Um, also because, you know, if you're in the coaching for uh, for more than 10 years and you do 
the same thing all the time. <laughs> it's not that, it's not that funny. So you always look to new insights and new methods to improve. So for mm. example, I have, we have developed a swim module that is called tempo trainer and technique. And the tempo trainer refers to the Finnish tempo trainer, where we use not only the tempo trainer to control pace, but we use the tempo trainer to increase focus on a certain element of the stroke. So, and this came from, because my wife, me, my wife is a trainer of dogs as well. And if you train dogs, it's, you know, it's a lot of a signal learning, like the Pavlov uh, theory mm. and practice. So actually we're doing with, <laughs> I'm not saying that we train the swimmers as dogs, but <laughs> we basically, we took the path lift method into a, into a swim training by using the tempo trainer. So we set the tempo trainer into a controllable beep for everybody. Everybody has its own, you know, comfortable stroke frequency. And from there you can say, okay, you can catch on the beep or focus, push out. Uh, give that accent in the push phase on the beep or you, so you, you can gotcha. even say, um, you can even place your kick and the kick rhythm in the beep if you really focus. So that way you, your focus becomes that part of the stroke, but also the, the beep doesn't stop. So it's continuous and it's very exhausting, not in intensity of the swim. But for people, it's like a huge focus they have to, yeah, to, mentally, uh, that's to it. bring yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. So, and but, that's a, that's a, uh, it's a very fun way to, to be, and to teach swimmers and triathletes away and to improve the stroke. That's, that's a, really good. I've never really thought of it that way or, or heard of it done that way. So I've got a tempo train. I just need to replace the battery. So um, it's something that I'll have to try. That's a great way of going about it. Frank, thanks so much for being on the podcast and no doubt we'll be in, in touch in the future. And yeah, I appreciate you sharing your insights on the podcast. And for anyone yep. listening, go check out Frank's website, which we'll put in the show notes. And especially if you are over in the Netherlands, um, get in touch with Frank because great resource and you've had a lot of experience working with a bunch of different swimmers and, and I've taken a lot from this podcast. So thanks very much for being a part of it. Yep. Thank you, Brent. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.